This is from the prayer of King Solomon. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Verse 16. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, My Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While the other, while that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was filled with compassion for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. And I want to wish all my dear sisters a happy Mother's Day. Whether you are an active mom on duty, uh, an empty nested mom, a future mom-to-be, a classroom mom, or Mr. Mom, may God bless you with his great joy and affection. When a child has a tough question about life, he might go to dad. And when dad has no quick answer, he says, go ask your mother. When a child asks his mother and she has no clever answer, she might say, go ask your dad. And when they both don't know what the answer is or don't have time to think about it, uh, they might suggest, go ask your pastor. Of course, when this pastor falls short of giving a satisfying answer, what can you do? In the end, we must search out scripture together and wrestle with life's many questions. In the past 30 years of walking through life with many youths, I find myself most challenged to answer all their questions. It's confusing to be immersed in a secular worldview 24-7 and only to visit Jesus and biblical authority once a week. Not even the finest biblical theological training and life experience can prepare us for all the questions that are thrown at us under this current cultural mores. Yet, we must be ready to answer 
It says in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Being a good Christian parent doesn't doesn't require us to know all the right answers to all the kids' questions. But in our response, we ought to honor Christ as Lord. We ought to answer with gentleness and respect. We ought to seek the scriptures and ask God for answers. We indeed need a discerning heart to distinguish right from wrong. In James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Today, my prayer for all of us here is that we would embrace King Solomon's heart. King Solomon was handsome and tall, a well-groomed leader, and spiritually nurtured by the prophet Nathan. In 2 Samuel 12:24, we are told from the time of his birth that the Lord loved Solomon. And I'm thankful in my life that I am who I am today because there has never been a day in my life that I did not know that the Lord loved me. He grew strong knowing the Lord loved him. And in return, we come to 1 Kings 3. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David. It says in verse 3, God loved him and he loved God. And Solomon was chosen as king of Israel after his father David. Because who else is in a better position to lead than a king with such a heart who grew up loving God since infancy? So parents, teach your children, teach your babies to love Jesus and obey God from the very beginning. Let them experience God's overflowing love with everything you say and do for them. Let them know the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And when Solomon became king, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he gave him a blank check, a carte blanche. Ask me anything, and I will give it to you. And this was Solomon's request. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon, that Solomon had asked for this. What Solomon was saying was, I'm not asking you to make me rich or to make me famous. I'm not asking you to expand my borders. I only ask you, O God, to give me a heart of discernment, wisdom. Help me to know and understand. Help me to perceive beyond what is seen and heard and then to know the difference. I want wisdom. The wisdom that he wanted was God's wisdom, a wisdom to size up a situation or size up a person's evil intention that lay hidden beneath what are seemingly good ideas, a wisdom to sense what is true and good, 
not just to accept everything he hears. Now, our teens have repeatedly asked their counselors in recent months, who are you voting for? (sighs) What an awful presidential race. So discouraging. We face very difficult problems in our country with the racial strife, with the national debt, with the lack of jobs and security. Yet the debates and the media are divisive with locker room talk, attacks, lies, and arrogance. It is so confusing and disappointing. Is there even one ideal candidate we can trust? And yet, as God's people, we must pray for God to work in all of this somehow. Whoever is eventually elected, can you imagine if the Lord came down upon this new president and offered, ask for whatever you want, and I will give it to you? I'm afraid of what I'm going to hear. Is there even one candidate who truly loves the Lord and not just claim to be a Christian? Is there even one who would acknowledge that it is God who blessed America to be great? Is there one who would acknowledge that we are a country with many problems and sins? Is there one who would humble himself or herself to ask God for a discerning heart to govern and have the wisdom to lead with integrity? I think we should vote in a young teenager with a heart for God. We need to pray for a new and young Solomon to lead our land. And in our passage today, Solomon's need for wisdom was immediately put to a test of a court case between two mothers and a baby. I would just add that last uh, verse, verse 28, to what... Jessica had read. And when Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Let me unpack this story a bit. We have two women who come before King Solomon and present their case. It is a she said, she said court case between two quarreling women who are interestingly identified as prostitutes. Now, when I share this story with many of my friends, and I I think we have heard this story, whether we've been in church or out of church, it's a famous story about Solomon's wisdom. Um, The majority of the people said, I never knew they were prostitutes. I just thought they were mothers, women. But... Here we are told that they are both prostitutes. They are living in the same house. Were they two abused, abandoned women in temporary shelter? Were they roommates in a brothel without a husband? Each of these women birthed a baby days apart. And now one baby is dead. And each of them are claiming that the live baby is theirs. 
Today, a simple DNA test would solve the problem and would settle the matter. But in Solomon's days, he needed wisdom to figure out who was the real mother in the absence of corroborating witnesses. And what a crazy king to ask for a sword to cut the baby in two. Although, you know, we realize that he never had the intention of killing any baby. It was just a test. So we have some observations here about the mothers. Number one, mothers are broken and imperfect, and yet God values them. Their story was enough to be heard. A seemingly small story was being heard by the king of Israel, and important enough to be included in the Bible. Despite the fact that both of these women were immoral, they were both prostitutes. One mother then has a tragic accident. Kind of an embarrassing account of your big mistake that while she was sleeping, she smothered her own child. So tragic. But something else seems amiss in her character. And I have to ask this question. Does she love her own baby? After all, if she really loved her baby, isn't it reasonable to expect that at this point we would see, we would find her crying and overcome with grief that she lost her own child? Instead of mourning her own loss, she caused the grief of another woman. She was deceitful and heartless to kidnap another woman's baby in exchange for her lifeless baby. We know that moms can have a lot of personal problems and need to learn, especially young moms need to acquire many life skills because we know that newborns do not come with an owner's manual and so we have to figure out a lot of things. Mothers can have bad days, even yelling at and hurting their own children. And a woman who feels unloved will struggle with the ability to give out love. Moms may strive and yet fail to be that ideal Proverbs 31 woman. But the good news is that the Lord values and offers help to even broken and fallen women and imperfect mothers. The second observation is that mothers know their own baby. Mothers tend to study their newborn babies amazed at the beautiful life that God created. Isn't that true? I remember resting alone in the maternity ward after delivery, and even though I was tired, I meticulously studied my babies. Their fingers, their toes, their eyebrows. And wow, it was a mini version of their dad. And mothers can recognize their own babies cry in a room full of babies. They know their sounds, their smells, their birthmarks, their skin tone, their facial expressions. And there is no way any mother in here is going to walk out of the nursery with the wrong child. You are mine. And at dawn, 
His mother could not see that the dead baby clearly, but in the morning light, the mother knew right away that the child, the dead child was not hers. I know mine, and this dead one is not mine. And she desperately wanted her child back. There was no doubt she knew her baby, that she was brave to plead her case before the king. Uh, moms of children who have grown older now, do you still know your baby? Through the years, have they changed so much that you barely recognize them now? Now, I'm not talking about the tattoos and the haircuts and their clothing, their fashion. Do you know, do you still know their interests, their dreams? Do you know what they think, how they feel, and who they love? Do you know if they truly love God or are they just going to church compliantly? So before and after they leave home, they leave for college and they come home, get to know them again and share life together. Listen to them and learn from them, learn about them again. And one of the most joyful part of my job is to get to know the youths individually and cherish how special and unique God has made each of them to be. It's definitely worth the effort to know them again and again as they grow. The third observation I have is mothers are willing to make sacrifices for their children. On one hand, we have this real mother, and then on the other hand, we have this self-centered mother who looked with envy at the other woman. It's all about me. If I cannot have the baby, then no one will cut the baby in half. You know, it's really sad to think that as a mother, she didn't love either baby. She just didn't want anyone else to have him. Solomon and God's wisdom given to him knew the test that would reveal the identity of the real mother by a mother's sacrificial love. A real mother of the baby, she would be willing to sacrifice her own motherhood for the life of the child. She was filled with compassion for her baby, even if it meant she had to give him away. She wanted the baby to live and not die by the sword. She wanted the whole baby, because half a baby is a dead baby. And on Mother's Day, we honor our mothers for all they have done for us. Mothers are willing to sacrifice themselves. They sacrifice their sleep. They sacrifice their personal dreams for their children. They may even put their career goals on hold. They buy stuff for their kids that they cannot afford. And yet, sometimes we will never know what they gave up for us. And even though it takes work, 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 they will become soccer moms and taxi drivers to let their kids play, 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 and succeed. Thank you, moms, for your daily sacrifices. But moms often feel tired, imperfect, and failing. I know because I know I fail in so many ways. Parents, let's continue to depend on God for his grace and wisdom. We may not know all the answers, but we trust 
that the Lord does, and his ways are right and good. Let's find times of refreshment and encouragement in his love for us and delight in his sacrifice for us because the greatest sacrifice we know is God sending his one and only son, Jesus, to give his life for us so that we may live. It is through the grace of God, his undeserving love, his unmerited favor. So thank you, Lord, for your daily grace. So how do we have a discerning heart? How do we acquire the wisdom to lead our children in the right way? We learn from Solomon's example first that it starts by loving the Lord and being loved by him. There is something amazing and powerful to know that the Lord, the God of the universe, loves me. He loved me when I was born and he loves me today. He loves me when my life falls apart. And because he loves me and I am living by grace, everything is going to be okay. His father, David, spoke into Solomon's life in 1 Chronicles 28, 9. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Secondly, a discerning heart comes from knowing the word of God and the spirit of God. Man's theories and trending ideas change constantly, but God's word does not shift like the wind. The Bible is reliable and unchanging. And Jesus says in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The unshakable word of God keeps young people and old people from foolish mistakes. Psalm 119, 9 to 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to his word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Also, God's wisdom is revealed by the Spirit of God. You'll look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. We should not not be surprised that there is a difference. There is a discrepancy between God's wisdom and human wisdom and human reasoning. A wisdom that is taught from the spirit and a wisdom that is taught by the world. It says in verse 14, The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. And verse 16, but have the mind of Christ. Thirdly, a discerning heart is fueled by many hours spent in pleading before the Lord in prayer. So I urge all of the parents here, all of the well-meaning adults in here, to cover the children in prayer during these perilous times. Pray that temptation would not seize them, that sin would not capture them. Pray with them to battle against evil, rulers and authorities of this dark world and help them to put on the full armor of God. 
Pray and equip them with spiritual protection and security in Christ for fearless faith and courage. In your prayer, show them how to humbly confess sin and receive forgiveness from the Lord. This is really important. Let them see your tears of brokenness and restored hope. Fourth, a discerning heart leads the children and family to choose right over wrong, despite what other voices in the world shouts. There is a cost of being a disciple of Christ. It is a wrong message to tell our kids that Jesus died for you so you can have a happy, easy, comfortable life and eternal life in heaven. Making the right choice is often the harder choice, and it comes with a big cost. Finally, a discerning heart results with a whole child, not settling for half a child. If we love the baby, we've got to keep it from getting cut in half. What use are two halves cut apart? There is death in half, but life only in whole. I see so many things that keep our children from from having that undivided heart for God. Are we grabbing life with two hands? Give me Jesus, but give me the world. In your life, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Are we offering to God, here, Lord, I give you half of my heart? I want to spend a moment to talk to you who are my youths. How many of you were born post-1990? At least half of you in here. I want to take a moment to speak to you not as your pastor. You are like my sons and my daughters. So I would like to speak to you as your mom. Your mom who loves you. My darling sons, my sweet girls, do not grow apart from the Lord, your God. You have been loved by God since birth. So love the Lord with no reserve, no retreat, no regret. You have been so blessed. You are so delightful and you're so smart. But your human wisdom will never surpass God's wisdom. So please trust in his word. Indeed, you will have friends who preach a different gospel, who have a different ideology that attempts to redefine identity and reality. And you will be tugged by your compassion for them to ignore the word of God, to accept their thinking. And you may be even mocked and labeled a fool to stand for Christ. You see, Solomon had it all. He got the brains. He got the looks. He got the respect. He got the land. He had the stuff. 
And he always got the girl. In fact, he had too many girls that compromised his loyalty to the Lord God. His spiritual deterioration did not happen overnight. His spiritual strength and morality eroded little by little with every increase of pride, of lust, of idolatry, with every increase of exercise for freedoms. He started out strong. Solomon loved the Lord. But in the end of his life, his heart was divided. And his kingdom became divided. And all those leaders who came after him were evil and did what was right in their own eyes. Somewhere along the way, Solomon, who was loved by God, who loved the Lord, traded in God's wisdom for his own. So I want to plead with you, as your mom, do not abandon the Lord. That will break my heart. Do not hide your light under a bowl. Do not abandon ship. Don't stop worshiping God and giving up on fellowship with others. You see, I'm not worried about your ability to succeed in your college and in your career. You will do fine. But I'm really concerned for your eternity and for your soul. May the Lord give you a discerning heart to know what is right and what is wrong what is best and what is worse, what is good and what is gooder. The courage to follow God's way. Don't cut the baby in half. Give Jesus your whole heart. Let's pray.